This is Discover Your Dog, the show that demystifies your dog's behavior so you can get the best results from your dog training. This show is brought to you by FamilyDogFusion.com and our affiliate partner, Healthy Paws Pet Insurance, the company that gives you peace of mind and protects your four-legged family members when you need it the most. Get your free dog insurance quote by going to FamilyDogFusion.com slash insurance. This is Devin Best, co-founder of Family Dog Fusion and co-host of Discover Your Dog. In episode 68, professional dog trainer and dog retriever, Benny Copeland, helps you figure out what to do after your dog escapes. Also, discover your emotional reaction to the dog on the loose. And stay tuned for an exercise to get your dog to come to you at will. All in this Dog at Large episode of Discover Your Dog. Dog lovers, remember that you can get show notes for today's episode at discoveryourdog.com slash episode 068. Also, please remember to give us a five-star rating and a great review on iTunes because we love reading the reviews and the ratings help the visibility of our show for other potential listeners. Please send your comments, questions, and canine conundrums to trainer at familydogfusion.com. Lastly, remember to get your free membership, which includes the ebooks, Three Tools for Training Your Dog, Potty Training Your Puppy or Dog, and the video Walking Your Dog on a Leash by going to familydogfusion.com slash register. With that, let's get started. Benny Copeland, you know, we're on this behavior uh, analytics, as you call it, which is right. an excellent name for what we're, this transition we made in the show. And uh, last week we talked about the dog that dashes out the door, right? right. How, how to deal with that. So this today's episode is a follow-up to that. And what problem are we solving today? Right. So the dog got out. You opened the door. You did everything you could. <laughs> so you failed at getting the right, dog not to dash. You could get your <laughs> dog to stay back. And you failed. The dog <laughs> had run outside. So what do you do now? How are you going to catch her? I mean, how, what is, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So there's that dog on the loose. And uh, there are different parts to that. I mean, obviously the dog that escaped and, you know, the big game we talked about last time that could happen. Um, it could be maybe a neighbor's dog that's out. Uh, or a dog, you know, your dog wandered off and, and you didn't even realize it, you know, you're just hanging out with your dog and you look up and it's not there anymore, (laughs) or you see a stray dog that's, um, you know, maybe in a parking lot somewhere or on a street corner and you feel the need to catch that dog. What are the things that you could do that would, you know, create it that you are able to get that dog? And I will tell you, I am, I wouldn't say a hundred times um, and very much close to that more. It's more, I don't know how to say it. So I'm more apt to catch that dog than most people would on the street. As a matter of fact, one of my neighbor's dogs got loose and she was telling me the dog's deaf. She can't hear you. And she's not going to look at you, you know, whatever. And of course, you know, I yelled because that's natural what to do to get the dog's attention. And I caught that dog in 15 seconds. <laughs> so what's and, the lesson here is don't believe the owner. Is that what you're <laughs> No, the dog was deaf. 
Totally was deaf. Okay, so you got you got mad fat skills in catching dogs with right. or without and their that hearing. Was the, that was the thing is that I knew what to do even in a deaf dog situation. Now, did it mean I didn't yell or whatever? No, I did. You know, and she <laughs> must have made a comment three or four times. Don't say her name. She's deaf. And I'm like, yeah, but that's natural. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, it's just normal. Why not say it? You know what? <laughs> I didn't expect her to look at me. I was just saying her name. Now, have you always been... Um you know, an expert dog catcher? No. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today is, is that I was very frustrated with this. And that's what Molly used to do to me. She would just wander off. She'd get her nose stuck into something. And we've talked about this briefly in other episodes. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit more about the shift that I made um, mentally in my life and why I train the way I do. I'm going to talk very, um, very much uh, in detail about that. And that's used to be what happened. And I was not very good at getting her back. Not at all. And then you learned how to, right? Yep. Well, I just learned. I mean, I just learned what it is. And, and actually, it's, it's interesting, Devin, because in past episodes, we've done a lot of things to actually create this. If people did the homework and put the practices into place that we talked about in these episodes, um, there was one that we talked about in episode 32 called Praise Versus Motivation. And we had a homework to for you, the dog owner, to use motivation to get your dog to come to you and the different things that you could use and that you would see worked for your dog. And not everything's going to work for every dog. I mean, not every, and Molly was not treat motivated at all. So me having a treat or saying, come get a treat was not going to get her to come to me where that's a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that's a natural um, sort of thing. Like you said, that calling out the dog's name is a natural thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. Offering a treat is a natural thing to do to, to entice the dog back. Right. Um, so today, after the end of this episode, um, hopefully you'll uncover some things that we are doing wrong. Right. There's, there's right. some things. Okay. So there's some things that we're doing wrong. And I would imagine that we're going to build some, what's that a word, the awareness. We're going to build some awareness about uh, what we're <laughs> not the word I usually use to describe you, Benny, <laughs> the other a word. Uh, <laughs> That's the word that you have to put five bucks in the bucket. If you say on Tuesday, <laughs> listen, I think we're up to about $3,000 on I our curse right. jar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't put any more money in the bucket. <laughs> we need to start switching to uh, treasury notes, maybe, or something. I don't know what it is. Right. But are we ready to uh, to delve into this topic? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into the main topic. So to um, extend directly from the last episode, uh, let's first talk about that dog that just darted out the door and now wants to play the chase game. So what are things that you can do and you should do? And then what are things that you should not do? And so because we typically talk about things in the affirmative, I'm going to talk about things that you should do first. Uh, One of the very first things you should do is go back inside and get your leash. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, this seems like it's a a weird thing. Um, and, And typically your first thought is not to do that because you just want to go get your dog. And there are a couple things, especially if your dog enjoys going for a walk with you, um, there are a couple things that this leash represents. And just having the leash in your hand can represent control to your dog. And you could see a little bit of a difference 
and how your dog behaves and that the chase game may not be on. The other thing is, is that if it's a very positive representation, like, oh, we're going to go for a walk, he may want to come to you and, and get the leash put on so he could, you know, quote unquote, go for a walk. Um, this would be a, this is a big thing and a big mistake that I see a lot of people, you know, briefly, I talked about the neighbor that she said her dog was deaf. She didn't even have a leash. And this was a big dog. Literally, this dog could have got away from her if it wanted to. Obviously, she and the dog had a really good relationship because when she grabbed the dog's collar, you know, she went with her all the way back to the house. You know, they're about three or four houses down. And, and she didn't have a leash. She didn't even have the way to control this dog once she finally got her. And I think that that's a very important thing to, you know, when this happens, kind of stop. Give yourself a few seconds. You know, maybe count to 10 or maybe count to three and think of the things that here I can do. These are the things I need to do. Now, Devin, if your dog was to dart out the door, what do you think your initial reaction would be to your dog? If you knew that like you lived on a um, um, busy street, there was potential for your dog to get hurt or lost. What do you think your first reaction would be? (laughs) Am I supposed to answer the truth or what would sound good on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like to, because we talk about this. I know you like to show your, uh, <laughs> oh, I'd curse. I would your, curse. That'd be my first reaction. I'd yeah. say something, you know, and, uh, and then I would react and, you know, right. I would, uh, you, you, that reaction would probably be negative because you're already in that negative mindset. Right. I would I almost certainly give chase, you know, I would almost certainly, um, you know, lunge and, and like react immediately, you know, um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the way to go, though, is it? Right. Well, we're going to talk about that and the things not to do. That's definitely not what you want to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what you want to do is to change that. Like, And here's why that pause, that count to 10 or count to 3 or whatever it is, will help you. Because you want to change your attitude at that moment. And you want to start to be happy and upbeat. Um, one of the things that we talked about. And uh, actually, it was in the three tools for um, the off-leash dog. One of the things we talked about was to always end it in a positive way. Like, that's the rule number one in um, three rules for off-leash training. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and that was because what happens is that negative reaction is what creates this fear from your dog. Because they see your body language change, they see your, hear your voice tone change, and that these are things that they um, associate with those negative things that happen to them. You know, so well, the reaction. Yeah, hang on a second. So I can see on the one we've we've um, we've referenced in previous episodes that a dog can tell uh, by tone of voice and by body language when I mean business versus when I don't mean business. And so it seems to me that this could be one of those moments where it might be a little confusing because on the one hand, I do want the dog to know that I mean business and I want her to come back under control. But on the other hand, I don't want to engage that, um, that playful chase thing, you know, and like, so there's got to be a fine line between being serious and being uh, approachable. Like, so you're saying to use the leash to, to do something to get the dog to come toward me because the dog might enjoy um, going on a walk, right? So the leash may trigger the desire to, Oh, okay, well let's go for a walk, you know? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just confused here because do I not want to be stern? I want to, do I want to be 
like keep pleasing tones as you said in the past or do I want to be like how do I want to how do I want my demeanor to be when I'm getting ready to to get this dog well okay so in the I can see exactly why you would think that because what you're thinking is in human emotional and analytical terms See, in an immu- in a in a human emotional and analytical terms, if you were to if your kid was to wander off in the woods and you lost your kid and you're you get real stern about what you're doing and then your child comes back to you, they're gonna understand that that sternness was about um what they're gonna understand is that sternness was about, okay, this is important because he has that tone with me. I need to come back where at least he can see me where, you know, now I'm back to where he can see me. And that's an analytical thought. That's very analytical. Now in a reactive situation, and especially in a situation where, yes, you have to be serious. I'm not telling you not to be serious about it. What I'm saying is, is that you got to get that anger and that immediate angst that you have, that immediate fear and anger that you have away from your body language and your voice tone for your dog to want to come back. Because what happens is, is if you immediately have that, they associate that with those times in the controlled situations that you were angry and they didn't want to be around you. They moved on. They left. So if you have that, and, and I, I said be happy, and I understand that, and I understand why you would come back with that. It's What it's really about is about just taking a moment to let, okay, let my body relax a little bit. Let your let your facial expressions and that that um, that tenseness that you have go away, so that what your dog sees when they turn to you, even though you have a serious tone. All right, get over here. Come on. Even though you have that serious tone, that your body is relaxed and they're looking at you now. Oh well, that's not an angry tone. That's not where I'm going to get you know beat or hit or you know whatever. Okay, um, so what I'm hearing you say then is essentially. Um, to remove the reactiveness from myself, mm-hmm. like to to put a pause between the uh, the event, which is the you know heading out the door, oh, just escaped right, and the reaction, uh, my you know my own emotions, so mm-hmm. that I can uh, think like a human being thinks and analyze and, and to do the right thing in the right time, right. And okay, create these create these things that your dog would want to come to. Um, and the other thing that I was going to talk about too, and the way that I caught this dog, this dog had no clue who I was or that I was, um, a negative or positive person. They didn't, that dog had never met me. I had never met that dog. What I did was, is I went around in front of the dog, never went right after the dog. And I went around where the dog could see me. And then I sat down when I sat down. And I gave kind of clap my hands where, yes, the dog could not hear me. What she saw was all these positive things that I was doing. And that was, hey, I like that. And she came right up to me, almost okay. sat in my lap. <laughs> this is a big pit bull. Okay. She was, yeah. So she was um, a very big dog. She was probably, you know, 60 to 70 pounds, very muscular. And she just came up and sat in my lap. I was wagging and I was loving on her. And I just stayed there with her for a little bit and loved on her because what I wanted her to realize that coming to me was a very positive, very good thing. Now, had I been that owner who the owner was going directly after her. Now, these are the things that also you shouldn't do is that you don't want to go directly after your dog. You don't want to go straight toward your dog because that kind of creates that 
One, if you're in a negative mode, I don't want to be around you, run away. Or even if you're doing the positive thing, it could be the game. Because it's all attention, though, right? I mean, positive or negative, it's still attention for not being here at my side, right? It's still attention for doing whatever the dog is presently Running doing. Running right out of the door, yeah, dashing out the door. Right, or in the moment, even after the dash has occurred and the chase is on, uh, uh-huh. isn't that kind of rewarding the dog for running away and, and you know playing the game? Yeah, because think about this too. Let's say you're going toward your dog and you get close. What are you going to do, especially with one of your dogs because you have small dogs? So what are you typically going to do once you get really close? Grab. And how do you grab? You're going to bend over, right? Yeah, definitely. So you're going to bend over. Well, that's like if you look at it in dog body language, which we've talked about in the past. Um, if you look at it in that sense, it looks like you're playing. So then they want to dodge and dart and run around and you're going directly toward them. What I do is I actually make a loop around them. Like I did with this dog. I actually walked all the way around. Probably I was probably 20, 15, 20 feet away from this dog and I just walked around it. So the dog never looked at it as if I was coming after her. Okay. She only looked at it as, oh, there's someone here. And because I wasn't facing her, um, giving intimidated uh, body language or anything like that, I wasn't yelling. I didn't have this look. And think about this with this dog. Even if I was yelling and chasing, it would look very negative, even though she couldn't hear me. And a dog that could hear is going to hear those you know, harsh tones, right. those harsh things. And in addition to, to the body right. language, right? In addition, right. To, the, in addition yeah. to the body language. Yeah. And so that's where um, with a dog that's out there, you don't want to go directly after the dog. I never, and, I, and that's the way I talk about it with my clients. I never chase a dog. I always create it that they come to me. And what I've done. It's very much I, like me and women. That's exactly how I do my yeah. dating. <laughs> is it? This no. Is why you have <laughs> I wish. I wish that were the case. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, get back on track. Get this is on. why you have no women in your life. <laughs> oh, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's it. That's the, it's that direct thing, and and it's funny because I actually do that in my in my lessons. I talk about the difference between um, how you. Uh, body language and voice tones to people and dogs and it works um sometimes there's this thing about being aloof and i think we talked about that and and i'm not sure exactly what episode it was uh, oh it was the one about eye contact how eye contact is a positive thing and that if a dog makes eye contact that you just kind of turn away and you be aloof yeah and what that does with a dog is it creates this comfortness it creates this thing of oh well there's no challenge here especially with a dog that may not know you and there's no um, there's no uh, direct um, intention. There's no direct. Uh, what would you call that? Well, it's not opposing. It's not I, right. I, let me let me give credence to what you're saying. Um, it took me a while to figure this out uh, with the little my parents dog, little gizmo dog. Um, mm-hmm. He will make a noise like he wants me to pick him up or makes noise like he wants somebody you know, like whatever. Huh? And whenever that person goes to pick him up, he'll dash back and he'll. It's, it's almost like a little game to him where, okay, and then I go toward him and he goes back. And so anyway, I made the transition after, you know, I don't know, 30 or 40 episodes of this. And I started uh, looking away, uh, letting him come at me, you know, like from my profile, I show him my profile and kind of bend over um, and reach out my hand in front of me. So he would actually of his own free will 
come up to me instead of having me come at him and then having that reaction. It's almost like it's almost like watching um, Charlie Chaplin with the hat, you know, like going after the hat and the hat like kicks the kicks the hat out and it goes away. Yeah, and every yeah, time yeah. I come, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like that's how Gizmo used to be. And I noticed right. that if I go at him at 90 degrees where I'm not even looking at him, I'm 90 degrees instead right. of like like directly at him. Um, he will absolutely approach me every time. And it's like, ha yes, finally. And I've wow, been doing isn't this. That and, awesome? Oh, it's it's <laughs> it's great. Finally to wake up and realize that um, I've been doing it wrong the entire time, <laughs> you know? Right. And the thing about it is what you didn't even realize. And there was nothing negative because he wanted to be picked up. Right. But the, you didn't even realize that what happened in that moment when you would reach down to pick him back up and then you do it. First of all, you were being intimidating by bending over. And then secondly, he wanted to be picked up, but he just felt like, oh, there's something else that's going on here. And then what would happen in your body language and your voice tone at that point, you really would become intimidating. Right. What are you doing? Like, come on, man. (laughs) You know, and then he really didn't want to be picked up anymore. Okay. I'm, you know, right. And so it's a, it's a, it's a vicious circle. And there've been times when I've been like, oh, okay, well, fine. If you don't want to be picked up, that's fine. I'll walk away. So that's, that's what you triggered here. Um, talking about, you know, um, not directly approaching the dog. I'm not sure what the exact phrasing is, but it's, it's, it's indirect. Let's call it that way. It's an indirect approach. Yeah. So that you're still going after the dog. You're just not going directly toward the dog and you're still keeping the dog. And like typically if a dog's really a big runner or, um, do you remember me telling you Sandy got loose from, uh, Tam and, and the girls Yeah, and she started wandering their little cul-de-sac and we would see her and we'd know where she was And she never was running off. She was just checking things out, right? So when Tam went around the building and her dog had run around the back of this house, and so Tam went around the house, Tam was going after her dog. And I heard her and I looked over and I sat down and said, come here, girl, and just had that positive tone. And she just ran right up to me. (laughs) And of course, when she got to me, she realized, whoa, wait a minute, (laughs) you know. And tried to get away, and I'd already <laughs> had that moment. That's funny. And that's the thing. Like, I never went after the dog. I always went to where she was. I always wanted to keep my eye on where she was going and either be in her path or in her eyesight before I did something that would reveal, hey, come to me. It's the greatest thing. And that's what we're going to talk about in the practice today is to create it that a dog wants to come to you over 50% of the time. Now, have you... I have a question uh, before we get to homework. Have you completed your, like what you want to say about this topic or do you have more to say? Well, I have a couple more little things to say and we won't go real heavy into those. That was really the main bulk. Um, also in, in, in what I talked about, like with my dog, she was a wanderer and with Sandy, like with Sandy, she wasn't, it wasn't that she was trying to run away. She was just kind of wandering around, sniffing things, kind of checking out the area. And in those situations, Um, it really is one of those things that you have to check your, you have to check your emotions. You really have to. Um, and we talked about it, Devin, one time about, you know, if your kid wanders off in the store, if your kid wanders off in the store and you go around and you yell at your kid and, you know, pop them on the head or, you know, whatever in the long run, your kid's going to understand that, that it was really more about the fear of what went on with you rather than the kid did this thing. Now, what they get to do at that moment is make the choice. Am I going to um, continue to wander off and get this reaction or am I going to either ask permission or stay with, you know, my parent? And 
kids make those choices all the time. I mean, I know I was one that wandered off multiple times, you know, even though I knew I got in trouble. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was the, the what, what do they call it? Squirrel? Squirrel. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Something shiny over here. And so um, that's where you also have to realize what's going on with you in those moments because your dog doesn't understand that. And if you're always angry every time you find your dog in a situation like that or, or a time that you um, you realize that, oh, my gosh, my dog's missing, then they're going to associate that. And that's really what happened with Molly and I. And we're going to talk about it in a future episode much more in depth. The other thing is, Devin, is that sometimes you may be in a parking lot somewhere or driving, um, you know, down a residential area and you see a stray dog. Now, it could be a lost dog. It could be a dog that has been out for a while. And there are things that you really need to consider before you stop and pick up this dog or try to catch this dog. And now we talked about the things to do to be able to catch a dog. And if this is a stray dog that you're, you know, that's out there, there are a few things that you want to consider. Number one, could that dog make your dog sick? Because you don't know if the owner was responsible or how long this dog's been out in, you know, in um, the wild, the wild. Yeah. And could have different diseases, uh, could have fleas or anything. Right. And it could it make your dog sick if you brought it in and let it associate with your dog or what's the temperament? I mean, it could be aggressive towards other dogs. If you pick that dog up. Yeah. Depending upon how long it's been out and about, it could be feral or feral or however that word is pronounced. It could be. Yes, it could. And that doesn't associate with dogs so much as it does with uh, cats. Um, The big thing about um, dogs is that they are social animals more than cats are. So typically people find dogs and see dogs a lot more than they see cats because cats get lost or out. They'll, they'll hide and they'll actually start hunting and, and living on their own. And, um, and that's why you hear that about cats being feral. Sure. You also want to make sure, I mean, that dog could make your family sick. I mean, it could have something that could potentially make your family sick as well. So especially if you're going to pick up this dog and you're going to let it socialize with your family and your dog, these are things you need to think about. I will tell you, when I had a kennel, I would not allow my um, employees to actually, if they found a dog or picked up a dog on the street, I would not allow them to bring them into the kennel. And it simply was because, you know, these owners that I had their dogs in my kennel trusted me. And for me to potentially put their dog into a situation where I have no clue, you know, what kind of disease or what kind of, even if their dogs had, even if the owner's dogs had all their shots and stuff, there potentially could be that um, something that, you know, they could get hurt through the, you know, if the dog was aggressive or get sick or something like that. So well, I would not in the best of circumstances, there's some degree of unpredictability with dogs and in challenging circumstances, it seems like a bad idea to integrate what could be, uh, you know, what you call a loose cannon, you know, an unpredictable right. element into the equation without, uh, you know, applying a little bit of, of, uh, attention, a little bit of calm to the situation, a little, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, like, uh, mm-hmm. less, less reactiveness and more, right. Uh, attention to the situation because it could be bad. I mean, I don't know. So what, what would somebody look for? They would look for signs of, of, well, um, you know, okay, let's say that you do decide, okay, I'm going to get this dog. Um, first of all, I'd always look to see if it has a collar. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing. Right, if okay. it has a collar or a leash, then 
more than likely it's it's wandered off or it's escaped from a home and would be easier to find. And those are the things that you got to look at too. I mean, what are you really willing to do with that dog once you do get it? I mean, are you <laughs> right. going to, yeah, are you going to be able to keep this dog or rehome it um, if you don't find the owner? Um, do you, are you willing to pay what it's going to cost? Um, you know, if it does have fleas or ticks or things like that, if it needs medical attention, things like that, are you willing to pay for those things? I mean, that's the thing that that really you have to potentially look at in those situations. Now, I'm not telling you just let every stray dog go. There are options. Uh, and you had asked a question earlier, Devin, about, you know, are the options there that uh, if I do have a dog, you know, and am I going to have to take it to the pound? Am I going to have to take it to a humane shelter? Uh, what if nobody really can take it? What if I'm not willing to take this dog somewhere where it could potentially be put down? And I want to find a uh, no-kill shelter or something like that. Well, most of the no-kill shelters fill up very quickly because they limit the number of dogs because they're no-kill. So they can only take in so many dogs. So what I've seen potentially is where someone picks up a dog and that they are so insistent on getting it to a no-kill shelter, but there's no room in any of the no-kill shelters anywhere around because they limit the dogs. Right, okay. So those are the things that you really have to take a look at. And I just wanted to talk about in this situation where it's not just about the dog that escaped, but, you know, there are people out there that might see a dog on the street and decide that they want to take it in. You know, think of these things. And if you're willing to do those things, then take it in. It could be microchipped. It could have a collar with ID tags. Um, It could be. Um, in a way that you do find it a home very quickly. Yeah, we had a whole episode about proper IDing of dogs during our um, Prevent Cruelty to Animals month. Um, I'm not sure what episode that was, but uh, our it audience can go back. It was episode 27, Recover Boom. Your Look Dog. Look at you, dude. You guys, uh, <laughs> you guys can go back and listen to episode 27 and get uh, get the lowdown on some of these uh, these IDing procedures that might be helpful in rehoming a dog or finding its original owner. That's great. Yep, very good. So that takes me to um, the homework today. It's not really homework. I'm going to tell you, the dog lover, how to create a good practice for getting your dog to want to come to you for no reason at all. Sounds good. All right. So today we're going to talk about instead of homework, this is going to be a practice. So you can do this anytime you want to. And this is a practice of you getting your dog to come to you for no reason at all. And the reason then the way the reason that I say it that way is because what I'm looking for you to do is to start a practice of getting your dog to want to come to you. And when you do this, you have to do it more than 50 percent of the time that you create it, that your dog comes to you for a reason. So in other words, if you look outside and you tell your dog, come inside to eat then you need to have your dog come to you two times for no reason at all in order to make up for that one time that you had your dog come to you for a reason, even if it was a treat, even if it was a toy, even if it was whatever. So we got ourselves a new ratio here is what you're saying. Right, yeah. And that ratio is a two-to-one ratio. We want One ratio, right. So you want to create it that your dog comes to you for no reason more often than your dog comes to you for a reason. The problem is, is that a word, <laughs> the awareness of when you're calling your dog for a reason. And so you have to create that awareness. And what you do is what I do is I start out in my home. And what you're going to do 
is you start in a very small contained area such as in your house. And it may even be in a room where your dog sees you. And I always, when I'm doing this with an owner, I start out where you and the dog are in the same room. You can see each other. And what you do is you start to do things, either body languages, voice tones, sitting, anything. And you just call your dog to you for no reason at all. And then when your dog comes to you, you love and love and love on him. And then you get up and walk away. See, there's nothing at the end of that that creates it that your dog should have or needed to come to you. So you, the, the trick here is that your dog comes to you and you get up and move on. Now, we also talked about this a little bit in the come command, and that's a very formal command about da- making your dog come to you and doing something very specific. And what you're going to do at this point is now make your dog come to you with nothing in mind, no reason at all, no, um, nothing at the end of it. So you practice with your dog seeing you in a room. And then you start, when your dog is really good at it, and my, my um, deal is that your dog does it 10 times in a row. So you make a noise or make a sound or sit or do something, and your dog comes to you 10 times in a row within the same room, then start to do it in different rooms in your home. So your dog may be in one room, you go to another, and you make a noise or call, and then your dog comes to you. Now, in the um, episode 32, we talked about praise versus motivation. We talked about different things that you can learn that motivate your dog, where treats don't motivate my dog, yet um, me making a little squeaky noise does motivate her. So you find out what motivates your dog. You can go listen to episode 32 and get a lot of good ideas and use that practice. And then once you start seeing what motivates your dog, use it. So once you're in your home in different rooms and your dog can find you, and I used to say that, come find me, come find me. And my dog would come and then I would love on her and then I'd go to a different room. Now, once you do that, then you start practicing maybe in a contained yard, like in your yard that's fenced or in someone else's yard or somewhere that's very um, contained. And then once your dog's really good there, then you go to large open areas. Now, I used to go to baseball fields because they're fenced all the way around. There were a couple schools that had big football fields um, with tracks around them, and they were totally fenced all the way around. And I would go at times when there was no one or little distraction. The better they are with no and little distraction in bigger and bigger areas. And I used to go to tennis courts too. Tennis courts are a great place. Um, the better they are with little to no distraction, then you start adding a little more and a little uh, more distractions till you could even go to a dog park with all the dogs and everything. Sit down, call your dog to you. Your dog comes to you. You love and love and love on them. Then you get up and walk to the other side of the dog park. So that this is just a practice of creating that your dog wants to come to you. And the way that you would keep up with it is that every time you call your dog to come to you for a reason, you have to make a mark and you know you need to get your dog to come to you for no reason at that moment or two marks. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I can remember um, when I f- it was in some family therapy that uh, the therapist suggested that we look for um, opportunities to praise all the time, you know, and I, and it took, uh, it took a while, but I shifted that mentality toward, okay, I want to make every interaction with my kids, a positive interaction, no matter what, even if it's a disciplinary situation, I want it to be positive, you know, and, uh, over time, you know, it's like, of course, of course they're going to want to come toward me because they're not getting hurt. <laughs> you know, they're not getting frustrated. They're not getting, they're not right. afraid. They're not, it's the, you know, the absence of negativity I'm sort of invites that uh, good relationship. So now we're asking our, our dog lovers in the audience to be even, more aware of this brand new ratio, which I love, by the way, 
of two uh, to one. Two to one. That's great. That is really great. Over it, ten to one. <laughs> well, I'm sure that later on down you'll make it. The advanced version is ten to one. You know, um, <laughs> but in the meantime, though, two to one. Uh, you know, no reason like getting the dog to come to me with no reason versus one to to with reason like uh, to feed the dog or you know for whatever yeah. set of reasons. And That's, even if you can just make the ratio one to one for every one time you call your dog for a reason, then you can build on that. And I will tell you when you get to that practice of two to one, that's when your dog wants to be with you more often than not. I mean, the other day I walked out of the backyard, I left the fence wide open. I knew my dog was going to come out with me. I was moving the trash cans and, and Oz came out, he's looking around and I just walked right back into the fence and said, come on, buddy, let's go. And he came in the fence and I loved and loved and all of it on him. I closed the fence and I just walked inside. So he actually did something for me without even realizing it because now he just came to me and I loved and loved and loved on him. And then I walked inside. And so even he wanted to come to me and that's where I got it with that, that my dogs now want to be with me. And this was something that really happened with me early on in my career that shifted how I now train from how I was trained. Well, hopefully the audience will get something really useful out of this today. That's, that's good. That's something that um, I can get a lot out of myself with the dogs that I interact with. And uh, so thanks. Thank you, Benny. Yeah, thank you. And in summary, we talked about three ways of catching a dog. One, the dog that escapes. Two, enticing the wandering dog to you. And three, catching that stray. Thank you very much. I saw that we have some survey responses in the email box, and those, I love it when we see the survey responses come in because they're attached to uh, really the only place people can see them is on the uh, when they get a new membership right there on their confirmation screen. The survey pops up and it asks people about their top three issues with you know with their dog, and you know like it's really good to see that because it gives us direct feedback about what people want from us, you know, and what kind of content we want and. It just started making me think, wow, we're getting quite a few memberships lately. So apparently the, you know, beating the drums, making that call to action uh, membership makes a difference. Um, We provide a really good value with this free membership. Uh, It does include, as mentioned in the beginning of the show, it includes three eBooks that we took time at the beginning putting together. They got the three tools for training your dog, which pervade everything that you talk about in your training, the praise, motivation, and correction. They got the PDF, potty training your puppy or dog. That puts it right into, you know, tight little directions, very easy to follow directions, sets up a framework that people can follow to potty train their dog. And we also, uh, actually, we, nothing, I didn't have anything to do with this piece of it. You created a video called Walking Your Dog on a Leash. And uh, we use, I believe it's Porter. Is that the dog that, uh, right. that features in there? That it's I've the, talked about many times in shows. Yeah. And so Porter uh, is, you know, demonstrating the proper uh, the proper doggy response to walking on a leash, and you're demonstrating the proper ways to walk a dog on a leash. So it's really three excellent resources. And we also recently started putting out our periodic newsletter. Uh, you know, as needed, there's some up, updates in there about what episodes we're putting out, about content that uh, you, the dog lover, would find uh, hopefully interesting and relevant to what you're working on with your dogs. And then you also, by the way, have the opportunity to give us direct feedback on our survey about the specific types of problems that you are working on with your dog and what kind of content you want to see us create. So this is the long way of me saying, please go have a look at this membership. The way that you can get there is by going to familydogfusion.com slash register. It's a very simple uh, sign up process. 
once you get signed up, you will have access, immediate access to download your PDFs and your videos. And, um, and then there's some other benefits that go along with, with having membership. There's an enhanced experience on the website for logged in members versus non logged in members. So you get additional content that other people aren't even aware of. And, uh, eventually we're going to have some forums that you can access us and, and other people and kind of get some feedback from each other. And of course, the periodic newsletter that you'll get from time to time. So mosey on over to familydogfusion.com slash register and get yourself signed up. Thanks. All right, everybody. We'll see you all next week when Benny talks about shaking that dog off your leg. See you then. Also, if you're listening to the show on Stitcher or Google Play, please give us a thumbs up now. Remember, show notes for this episode are available at discoveryourdog.com slash episode 068. My dog done R-U-N-N-O-F-T. She must have been looking for answers. Is that it? That was good. (laughs) I saw, Benny, that we have some survey responses from our little uh, survey monkey that I hadn't seen. Uh, That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it, for our little survey monkey? We have a little monkey running around here, you know, giving out surveys. (laughs) Here's your survey. He's an Irish monkey. He's an Irish monkey.